Welcome to the first book review being done by the Mere Mortal crew. Um, this is a new sort of format for me, so I'm going to experiment with this a little bit. And uh, Juan should be joining me shortly in uh, his own book review for the first time. And the reason we want to do this is I suppose both of us have enjoyed reading. And uh, I know for me particularly, I get a lot of wisdom from books and being a more solitary pursuit, one that I can, I feel I can reflect on more um, with with getting knowledge from other people, from podcasts, from direct experience. Uh, it, it can be quite easy to just get a, caught up in the momentum of, of um, I don't know, going through normal life and, and not taking that step back. And what I've found is a lot of times while reading, I can read something and then just sit and reflect for a little bit. And I really enjoy that aspect of it. So uh, I'm going to try and, you know, do a little bit of a book review for the first time, see how it goes and, um, you know, potentially can be a recurring um, segment of the mere mortal media and we'll see what the reaction is, see how I enjoy it, if I enjoy doing it directly to the camera. Uh, normally the camera's over here and I'm speaking with Juan. So, you know, it's a bit of a different experience, but let's see how we go. So first we've got is... The Island, not The Island, Island by Aldous Huxley. Hope I pronounced that right. It's a, always thought it was Aldous Huxley um, of Brave New World fame. And uh, so this is the second book I've read of him, obviously the first being Brave New World. And it was interesting. I enjoyed it. I did enjoy it, um, but in part. So uh, first of all, I'll just go over some of the basic details of it. Uh, it's 336 pages and was written in 1962, 30 years after the Brave New World. And uh, while just going through Wikipedia and learning a bit more about it, I saw that th this was a book that was always in the coming. In, in Brave New World, he had, um, I'll, I'll skip to right into it, assuming the audience has, has read that. With The Savage, he says, so The Savage gets brought back into the world of um, the alphas and betas and the world of Soma and <clears throat> that sort of, I guess, socialist gone mad, um, you know, very strict but very um, liberal as well. So they're very open sexually but in a very strict sort of way. And whereas, and the savage came from where they're just living in mud huts and, and have no, no technology, no sort of progress, I guess. And... Um, one thing that um, Huxley did say was in the intro to that is he wished that the, the savage had a third choice somewhere in between those two extremes where you can find the balance, we can get the, the beauty of nature, but also the technological process of, of uh, healthcare and, and things like that. So this book was, was his attempt at, I suppose, writing uh, a utopia of sorts in uh, complete not complete, but in contrast to to Brave New World. So it was written 30 years afterwards, and it tells the basic story of a Englishman called Will Farnaby who goes to the island of Pala, 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 and he's basically there on, on a mission to further the interests of his, his boss, Joe Alderhyde, who didn't even need to mention that because he's a very secondary character. He's basically there to to further the interest of of his boss in um, securing the oil of this very 
uh, it had the the island has a many many reserves of of oil and is technically wealthy with all that oil but they choose not to use it and basically he goes there he he hurts himself and that's the sets a scene for him staying there for um, a while and what happens is he he gradually learns more about the Palinese culture and how they run things there and so uh, he goes through this. He he learns about the the history, uh, which only I think it commenced three or four generations before him, uh, as in, in 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 age and people, you know, the first I guess ruler of of Parla and the one of the first Westerners to come in, and they sort of have this blending, this merging of the the wild side of nature and then also the technological process of the. Um, industrial revolution technologies and and how that pushes humanity forward as well and the book basically tries to intermingle these and and it's Huxley's attempt at uh, I guess exposing a a utopia Um, I think I actually had read another book of his called Doors of Perception Um, so this is actually the third of his books I've read and in that he he goes into the depths of the psychedelic experience and and meditation and, and that sort of framing of the mind or th- how things can change in the mind and so in that uh, you can see a lot of the influence of of his his own psychedelic experiences in this book and and how he tries to i suppose reconcile those with with the world that we live in as well i've split it into the three parts of of how i experience the book the first third was basically a, a backdrop and an intro for the, I suppose, staging of of the scenery of of why he's there and why we're reading the book. So it's I didn't find anything too crazy in that bit. It's it's basically um, there are some books for me personally where things will just hit me, and I, I didn't experience any of that in the first third of the book. Now uh, the second third. Uh, interest, interestingly enough, came across as, as very preachy and uh, a little bit new agey, a little bit has a little bit of that woo woo in it. So in that section, he's being shown around the island, and he's he's going to their education system, for example, and they're explaining, okay, so in this way, in in our system, the kids focus a lot more on the the ground base project, um, I suppose the subjects, and then we go into the speech, uh, the the niche specialities of it, and so at times it came across as yeah, just very preachy as as, and I, I suppose one of the reasons it was comparing it to my culture, which is very English in in nature, um, that Western sort of capitalistic. You go through it, and it's almost like you're you're being produced as a uh, as a worker, I suppose there's, there's not. I don't feel there's that much focus on the individual in in our system, or or interestingly enough, maybe too much focus on the individual in in, in some particular cases. Um, but in in their system, it's it's more about introspection and and finding and and finding that big mix between you being an individual and having your own wants, desires, needs, and also the functioning of a civil a civil society where people can get along and the practical nature the pragmatic 
nature of, of having a state is, is fulfilled as well. So in it, they do a lot of comparing between, you know, the imperialistic British and um, how they will get in, involved in other people's business. They go over to colonize India. They go over, you know, they've got their sort of tentacles spreading out into the world, uh, whereas they compare themselves as an island nation, in which they are, to I suppose they they just come across as very preachy, as very holier than thou um, in, in when they're directly speaking to Will. And, and he goes along with it because he um, has been a bit embittered by his own experiences in the world. And he is very, very, very keenly aware of, of the flaws as well in, in his own system and, and how his own world operates. Um, in the book, he compares he compares everyone to maggots. Essentially, he hits this point where everywhere he sees, he just sees maggots. He sees maggots in business clothes. He sees maggots going for a Sunday stroll. He sees maggots eating in the restaurants. Uh, so he has himself has become very embittered, and you can see this in his own uh, characteristics. He has this hyena laugh that um, he is not only proud of, uh, not only aware of, but proud of. And he also is a very keen intellect, but he uses it in pursuits of um, journalistic following wars, promoting the the darker sides of human nature, I guess. And he also will not take yes for an answer. So uh, a play on the old um, sort of business strategy, I will never take no for an answer. He never takes yes for an answer. And in that, he, he's trying to express that I suppose the world is a, is a bitter, dark, cruel, cruel place and anywhere that has a, I suppose, a little sunshine of, of hope, he, uh, he, he'll try and dampen that down. And you can see that in his style. His, he's got a very sarcastic sort of way of speaking and always constantly jiving and like, you know, poking and, and trying to bring people down, I suppose. Um, but... He is also very, very smart. He's very well put together and witty. And so he has that sort of balance of a normal, healthy person, but just with this darker side of them that, that uh, expresses themselves in, in, in everything they do. Uh, so they, he, he agrees with them in a lot of ways. And I suppose one of the parts of the, of the book is him gradually seeing how how these people manage to operate in the world in a, a much more healthier way and in ways that he could see he would have benefited he would have benefited from if he had grown up in that culture. Uh, the other part is where it gets into a bit more of the woo woo, and so he reads the what's it called? It's like the founding the the philosophy or the way of um, notes written by one of the Polynesian kings or royalty, I suppose, of this island, and one of the founders. And so they have a lot of the Buddhist philosophy in there, um, but it's not strictly a, a Buddhist nation. Like they don't have the religion as their core. It's one of the things that that make up part of this nation. And when he's going through. Uh, he gets given this this notebook, and while he's going through the book, um, his story, his his adventure, he he reads 
parts of the of these notes in sections here and there, and so they're spread out through the book, uh, mostly in the first sort of end of the first third and dur- through the second third. And for me, it's I, I struggle a lot with these types of things. I've, I've never gone into the the new age philosophy, and interest, interestingly enough, I feel one of the reasons for that is I am very gullible by nature. I, I remember a lot of times at school would always falling for that trick. Oh, gullible's written on the roof. Oh, you know, you can find gullible in the, in the dictionary. And I, I tend to just believe people at their word. Um, I, I don't, if it's, if I'm not actively thinking about it. So I suppose my default nature is, is just to believe what people say. And that's actually, in an interesting way, has immuned me to a lot of the, the new age philosophy, a lot of the, <sighs> things that can't be scientifically proved. And I do have a, an immense appreciation for the subjective experience of, of people and, and of myself, um, but I am wary of, of how that can be translated into the, you know, the det- uh, not deterministic, the, the world of atoms and, and people. And so just reading that, uh, you know, it would say things like the, the way of the universe will, will flow through you, the... Let me see if I can find an exact passage of of something that it says. But for me, it just uh, I just really really struggle with some, with with things that they just doesn't feel. I, I can't I can't use it in a way that. So here we go. Um, oh no, <laughs> that was actually just a quote from another thing. I'm looking actually for now the. Um, Bits written in italics where, uh, all right, I'm struggling to find it right at the moment. Anywho, that was a waste of time. <laughs> it has parts where it'll be the the way the universe flows through you, the interconnectedness of, of all is one, but one cannot become one of all. And and that sort of language where it's, it's very hard to just pin it down to know what they mean. It's, it feels, for me, it feels like the obfuscating the the actual meaning of what they're trying to get past and if they're not sure of it which could happen and and definitely happens all the times i feel it should be something you 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 can't say in a preaching way you've got to get your thoughts down and and write it out properly especially if you're writing it out because that's when you can read it reread it and see how it comes across so for example, for me now, I'm, I'm just trying to express my thoughts on, on the book and it's coming out how it comes to my head. But if I was doing like a proper book review and writing it down on the internet and, you know, sending it out as a blog, I would want to be going over that numerous times and clarifying exactly what I meant by it. So that if someone read it and another person read it, they could both read it and come to the general sense of what I was trying to say. With these sorts of things, I feel it, it just you could go off in either direction and you're not going to come to a consensus on, on what they're trying to express in, in these passages and in what they're saying. And so for me that it just really, it really annoys me when it's said in a preaching way. And uh, just, I don't know. I don't know. So, so here, here we go. 
me as I think I am and me as I am in fact, sorrow in other words and the ending of sorrow, one third more or less of all the sorrow that the person I think I am must endure is unavoidable. It is the sorrow inherent in the human condition, the price we must pay for being sentient and self-conscious organisms, aspirants to liberation but subject to the laws of nature and under orders of to keep on, on marching through irreversible time, through a world wholly indifferent to our well-being, towards decrepitude and the certainty of death. The remaining two-thirds of all sorrow is homemade and so far as the universe is concerned, unnecessary. I feel that could be reduced to maybe two sentences. <laughs> and I've noticed in this sort of thing, when it is just one continuous long sentence, it's like they're trying to jam pack in all of their thoughts into one thing. And I just do not get it. Anywho, so that, that made the second third of the, the book, uh, I, I suppose, not enjoyable, but it did feel like it was setting it up for the final third, which I would compare to, to finding golden nuggets in a stream full of diamonds. You're going through, and to be honest, all of it is is really good. It, the writing just flows so smoothly. You can see the own processes in the in, in Will Farnaby's head, how he's starting to connect the dots of of why this place works so well. Um, but also, it's not a particularly utopian book. They they come to the acknowledgments of of how their society is also struggling. There's bad things in it. There's death. There's um, I assume there's murder. They don't particularly go into it. There's death, but there's certainly the all the parts of life that that do affect us normal human beings. And um, you see this keenly with the um, dying of of one of the of one of the matriarchs, I guess, of the island, and and her gradual decay into nothingness, and her her last fi- final days of of living. And, you know, it, I suppose it, it's not a utopian book, but it can come across in that second third of, of the book as like that. But at the end, it, it, I suppose it brings it full circle and, and shows why it's, why utopias are almost necessarily a dream because they, the world is a cruel place cruel place and entropy itself will ensure that you can you can never find that i suppose final one particular thing that's uh you know ideal that is the the heaven on earth i suppose so i'll just get into a couple of the things two of the things that i found really interesting in it and and like i mentioned before there's definitely parts in a book where if it's really well written and it and it won't necessarily be the same parts for everyone but you'll come across something and it'll just blow you away. Like it'll just physically stop you and, and something in your brain will click and go, whoa, that's, uh, that's, that's very interesting and that's, that's worth thinking about. So for me, uh, it came at a certain point. I can't exactly remember where in the book, uh, but he's, he's talking with one of the maybe school teachers or one of the, the leaders of the island and they're talking about how they've used birth control to, I suppose, limit the amount of suffering. And that's why they don't have to rely on the oil and the money coming in because they keep themselves at like a self-sufficient level. And he makes this point where the, it's almost like morality comes after, comes after a certain level of, of prosperity. And this book was written in 1962 
Uh, and I've, I've recently read Enlight- Enlightenment Now by Steve Pinker, and he goes through in that book about sort of it was his ver- his way of trying to show why the world is getting as better as a place. And he has all these graphs, all of them, you know, showing the general signs of, of things getting better. People are getting wealthier. People are getting healthier. They're living longer. And with all these sort of physical signs of prosperity, he's also showing how morally speaking, we, we seem to be getting better as well. People in wealthier nations are more concerned about the environment, the amount of violence and um, theft and the level of trust in, in, in uh, I suppose, the, the typical Western countries has for the last 15 years just absolutely exploded in terms of how much progress has been made on morality points that I think most rational and sane human beings could consider, okay, that's a good thing. I understand that if you have two people who see, you know, let's just pick a very fundamentalist Muslim and a, you know, rabid atheist they're going to have points where, morally speaking, they are very on different ends. But I think both of them could agree, you know, death is kind of a bad thing. Murdering someone is kind of a bad thing. And what what just blew me away was, you know, he, he sort of came to this conclusion that it's almost like you need to have the prosperity to then be able to think about the moral, morality afterwards. Because when you're poor, you've got 10 kids and you're struggling to feed them, you don't have a lot of time to think about the environment. You don't have a lot of time to think about how is this benefiting me and humanity as a whole. So I found that uh, very interesting, very interesting. The other part was the prevalent uh, emphasis on meditation and psychedelics in, in this book. So the, the people of Pala use a, a mushroom called the Moshka, Moshka mushroom, something like that. And essentially, it's the same as psilocybin. It uh, gives um, a perspective on things. <laughs> to put is one way to put it. And so the 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 final climax of the book is when Will Farnaby takes the uh, the Moshka medicine. And sorry, that's they use medicine instead of uh, mushroom. It's because in their minds, it is a way of healing. And uh, both in a in a spiritual sense, in a spiritual sense of of I suppose decluttering your mind, opening it up to possibilities, and realizing that the world, this world that we see around us, the the atoms, the physical things, there is a subjective inner world as well, and trying to find that balance between those two worlds is uh, you know one of the probably most important parts of of being a human and and trying to to figure out what's what and and find a way to live in both worlds simultaneously. And so they, he uses this, and what I like is that they, you know, it's, it's not just a, a simple, easy view of psychedelics are awesome, you should use them, because they acknowledge these things are powerful, these things, if you go on a bad trip, you're going to experience a lot of mental anguish, you're going to potentially scar yourself mentally for a long, long time and physically if you do stupid things while on these uh, mushrooms, on these drugs. And, yeah, I suppose just the emphasis that runs throughout the book is the complexity of things. You can't just 
look at things on one point and, and you know, that's it. That's, it's a yes or no from here. <sighs> While also emphasizing the, the need for balance um, in most respects. So for me, the, those two things just hit at home for me and, and are what made this book uh, a very, very enjoyable read. Once again, you can't, with books like this and with these book reviews, I'm not going to be able to talk about everything that, that occurred in the book. And, you know, there's a lot of things I'm skipping over here. I'm skipping over how they viewed religion, how they viewed sex, how they viewed depression and, and self-destruction, the the emphasis on, on some of the socialist policies that they had, which such as the mutual adoption club, which is where it's almost like, everyone can have their own family. So you can have multiple fathers, you can have multiple brothers and sisters and mothers. And, you know, if you're having a fight in, in your traditional, in your blood related family, you go to somewhere else and you can get that break from, from the normal everyday routine, I suppose. Um, and it's, it's sort of like a collective way of, of, of sharing the load between everyone to ensure that the kids are raised in a, in a healthy manner. Uh, they also have the spreading of labor. So no one works the same job for, for their whole life. They do something for two years, then they go and do something else. And in their society, which is not highly specialized, this is a, a doable task. Uh, there's enforced wealth limits. So they cannot rise above, I think four, four X, the, the amount of, um, the, the standard, the, the average Palinese. So you don't get these crazy um, differences in wealth that you'll see in, in the, the Western world where the you know, top 1% have 87% of the wealth or whatever it is. So overall, overall, it was a, a decent book. I enjoyed reading it. Uh, it was, yeah, like I said, 336 pages. So it will take a little bit of time to get through, but nothing too crazy i suppose what i should say with that is it's you know relatively small size so it's not um a mammoth book like you'll get with uh, any of tolstoy's things overall and my rating system because it's easy and i like doing systems i'm gonna rate it as well so i'm giving it a seven and a half out of ten my rating system i suppose if you uh it would be mostly based on a bell uh, a bell curve type of of thing so if you've got your your peak in the middle and then your tails at the end i I probably rate i'll almost never rate anything nine and a half ten is like almost impossible there'll maybe be a couple of nine and a half eights then it starts to get more into the sevens probably six is about my midpoint so a six would be like me teetering on whether it was worth reading or not and then going down five four three two and same for one, it's not something I really would give a book. Um, it would have to you know, be a book absolutely just trashing me phys- uh, personally and saying basically holding every single view that I do not hold and then at the end calling me a faggot. So <laughs> that's that's my book review of Ireland by Aldous Huxley. Turned out to be quite a big one. I'm going to try and shorten this up in the future, but no, maybe not. You know, This was a, a good way to get a lot of my own thoughts out into, into, I suppose, something a bit more concrete. So hope you enjoyed.